Do I really need to say any more than what Larry Collins just said? <laughs> no, you don't. You don't. I, I'm just happy to be home and happy to be back on the, on the air with everybody. Uh, gosh, I missed everybody. I, I needed I needed the therapy all, all day on set. Well, just for the Derby on Saturday. I, I needed I needed my friends with me, and and you weren't providing anything for me. You were just mad too. I. <laughs> I How'd you sleep last night? You, first of all, do you have COVID? You sound like you might do. I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think I have like Kentucky allergies, if that's Kentucky the thing. Kentucky rich strike syndrome. Look at myself. I look like shit. Maybe I do have COVID. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I feel great other than I can't breathe, but that's okay. You sleep good last night? Yeah. I slept, I slept great. I slept great. I don't think I moved the whole time. So, <laughs> so uh, the last time we were sitting in these uh, these spots talking about the Derby, I don't. You could probably count on one hand how many times the name Rich Strike was mentioned by any of us on the team, and yet here we are talking about Rich Strike winning Kentucky Derby one forty eight. Has it? Has it sunk in? Like I, I, I was at my family uh, for Mother's Day, and my parents. When we got back, I went to to my parents' house, and of course they were asking all about it. And I'm just like, I, was, I had a hard time even explaining or how I felt or how like I was like, I don't, I know about as much about this horse that than, than you do, you know? Like I, I know oh. most people forgot this horse was in the race. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. Honestly, I haven't. I haven't worried about it. I really haven't much. I haven't thought about it too much. It's it's one of those things. Racing, you know, uh, the people that, the, and I'm sure many people know, uh, you know, that that are watching the stream now that play it day in and day out. This is what happens sometimes. You just get a winner that you can't you can't explain it. And a lot of times, a good thing to do is to go back after you've lost and be like, okay, where where, where could I messed up? You know. And sometimes that could really be a very valuable thing to do, to go back and say, man, I missed this race, but I should have had it. I could have done this. 
don't waste your time going back and looking at what you could have done different in this race. It's just, it just, it was almost impossible to have. And like I said, I haven't worried a whole lot about it. Uh, I just kind of, when, when those kind of races happen, I just kind of go, eh, yeah, whatever. It just so happens that it happened in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, and that's very rare, uh, let alone a, a grade one race of any kind. You usually don't see anything like this, but the Kentucky Derby, you certainly don't. Yeah, you can't. I mean, what can you like you say? I think I think there's points where you can, you know, play a little bit of Monday morning quarterback in, in terms of how you could have got there with a bet versus, you know, whether it be like a back wheel or or you know, your boss's name is Rich or and you hate him or whatever. It, whatever it is, like you, there's ways I guess you could have got there. Um, you know, we had a customer of ours email us just ecstatic because he hit the the try. Yeah. And he and thanking us for it. And we're like, why? You know, what did what did we do? Yeah. And and that's just it. Like he but he's like, well, I had, you know, I, you guys kept talking about Epicenter and Zandon, how you really liked them, but didn't think they could win. So I I used it in my tribe, but I had Taba uh in there as well. And he's like, and then I just thought, maybe I should add one more just just, just for fun. And who's the longest shot on the board? And he threw the horse in. And he boxed that try, four-horse try, boxed that try. Yep. And it won. I kept talking to him about it. And I was like, I said, I, I really appreciate you emailing, but I really don't think I helped you that much. He goes, oh, you did. He said, here's why. I didn't believe in Epicenter. He said, I literally threw Epicenter in there because you guys kept saying, he will run well. Trust me. Trust me. He's going to run well. Right. I said, but yeah, I mean, he was the favorite. He said, it doesn't matter. I wouldn't have got there without you. He said, now, obviously you didn't give me rich strike. He said, that was just my own brain saying, eh, I'll just throw it in there. What the hell? <laughs> What's it? It's just an extra few bucks. Throw the longest shot in there. And it, it happened to work out. I mean, that's the thing. Some people listen to John White's podcast and, and back wheeled a horse like Epicenter with all in the top spot. So uh, you know, I, I don't think we helped out many with the Kentucky Derby, but a few people listened to the content. We kind of thankfully made their own decisions on that race. It was really frustrating because going in that race, I was like, wow, this might be one of the better guides we've ever done. Like every big race and we tell you to bet big, it's hitting, uh, you know, we're doing really well. We're on top winners. And then you get to the Derby and no, everybody forgot about that. All that when the 81 to one shot wins the race. Oh Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Every win bet, every strong opinion we had on the on the two days, they won, and they won fairly easily. And it was yeah. just like, all oh, right, it's great. You know, got to the derby up money and thought, okay, well, if we can just get lucky here. You know, the real sick part would have been, you know, because at first we had talked about backwheeling Taba, you know, putting all in the first spot and then putting Taba in the second spot, just ba- really based off of that conversation we had with John. Um and then we we're both like, yeah, you know, the like Taba feels like an all or nothing play, you know, like he's going to win or he's going to finish where he finished basically. Um, so like that doesn't make a lot of sense, but we did tell people and some people emailed us like, yeah, but if you like Zandon, if you like Epicenter, if you like even Messier, um, I don't have a problem with back wheeling those horses because yeah. you could see, especially Epicenter and Zandon, like you could see those horses being there at the end and maybe you get lucky. Now I don't think anyone in our wildest dreams uh expected an 80 to one shot uh to, to to cap off the top of that exacta but i guess that's why you play it for shit like that to happen 
it's it's crazy too. You bring up Epicenter and Zandon, two horses that certainly ran winning races. Looked like they were going to do it. Epicenter, when he turned for home, was like, "Oh man, he's going to roll." Good for Steve Aspison. Then you saw Zandon come up, and it's like, "Oh, he may get him. He may really get him right here." And then they both kind of did what we've been saying. I mean, we couldn't have been more right about those two horses. They're really good. They're consistent. They're coming into the race great. They're not quite fast enough to win a race like the Kentucky Derby yet. And they kind of ran those same numbers. So in the end, they didn't run a number fast enough to win the Kentucky Derby. But it was because (laughs) an 80 to 1 shot was the one that went up there and beat them. It's just like... Oh my gosh, like we were right and also we were wrong at the same time. And then we were right because we were so wrong. <laughs> I mean, it was unbelievable that end of the day, those two horses are are very good, very consistent, not quite good enough to win a Kentucky Derby, but it certainly wasn't the horse that we thought would would beat them uh, that got the job done. Yeah, you, I mean, you're right. Uh, that's the thing. You you watch that race and you're like, I was right about Epicenter and Zandon. I just didn't think they were quite good enough to win this thing. And they weren't. They weren't. But, <laughs> and that's it. Like, you go through the list and, like, that was what was frustrating. You know, simplification, you could you could argue, could have made a case for him, like, in the to hit the super. Mo Donegal, you know, he was right there and, the, you know, I think he finished fifth. Um, but it was just those two, you know, Messier and Tava, the, you know, are like, that just didn't run very well. Well, we got cooked. We'll talk about, we'll talk about the whole race here in a second, but got cooked and really just never fired down uh, late in the race. But after that, like all the horses you kind of expected other than rich strike, um, were really all right there. And so it really wasn't too shocking of a result other than the horse that was flying up the rail and pass them all late. It's just insane. I mean, w- by the way, uh, do you want to talk about it now, or do you want to, like to, like how like people need to realize how improbable this horse? I mean, the fact that this horse barely snuck in the race alone, but when you look at even like a, a number standpoint, this horse improved. What do you improve? Like thirty points to, well, his, to win his, this thing. His previous high buyer, if you're going to go by buyers on the dirt, was a sixty-five. On the dirt, and he earned a 101 buyer for the win in the Kentucky Derby. So that's obviously pretty pretty big jump there, right? His previous high buyer period was an 84. So he went from an 84 to a 101. Yeah, an amazing jump. He had the lowest high, uh, the lowest time form as far as his his highest time form was the lowest of the field. It was 107. Um, so yeah, it, it, the the improvement was incredible, and I see a lot of people. Uh, some in the chat and some on comments is like, wow, but the breeding, but the breeding, but the breeding, it's so good. It's not like this was his first race going two turns. I mean, we had seen him go two turns before. He didn't really see a big jump and improvement going from a mile and an eighth to a mile and a quarter, right? Like he wasn't real flashy in any of his races. And a lot of people have said, well, he won by 17 links at Churchill Downs in his only other win. In a $30,000 maiden claimer, which is one of the worst races they could run at Churchill Downs. It's a couple of levels higher than their lowest maiden claimer. So, well, yeah, any race you win by 17 is good. It was a $30,000 maiden claimer. I mean, (laughs) pretty incredible. And you don't often hear that when this happens, like uh, they asked, asked me soon afterwards, like, 
you know, what do you know about this horse? And he's like, I just know that I ran a horse against that horse in that maiden claiming race. Yeah. That's all I know. This is a trainer in the Kentucky Derby who had the favorite and he didn't know anything about the winner. He was also in the same race other than he had a random horse, not epicenter face this horse in a maiden claiming 30 K at Churchill downs. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy, man. And, I want to give it Steve Asmussen a ton of credit. This is the one thing he hasn't done is is win a race, uh, win the Kentucky Derby. He had to think he had it. And then late in the stretch, when it looks like Epicenter's starting to hold off slash kind of put away Zandon, he had to think, wow, I finally am going to get it. And to see that horse come on the outside and then have cameras and microphones in your face literally two, three minutes after they cross the wire. For him to take that all in stride, man, I <laughs> pat him on the back. I don't think we could have done the same. I mean, it was it was really incredible. He was just like, "Hey, Disney couldn't have wrote this." He goes, "This is this is unbelievable," and I'll be back, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just I I couldn't believe it. And, and you know, I just uh, when it happened, I was like, "Surely, surely, I didn't see that right." Like I was watching it as. Epicenter and Zandon, and I'm admittedly I was rooting for Epicenter at this point because I wanted Aspuson to get it. I and that's not an offense to Chad Brown at all. I like him too, but Aspuson kind of got me started. Right, he's watching. I'm like, oh, come on, hold him off. He's like, yes, you're gonna do it. And I just did a quick scan back, and I was like, oh, there's somebody on the inside, but nah, that won't. And then gone. Was, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Well, when we were right there on the on the rail right at the at the finish line, and we thought. I think we all said, is that Happy Jack? Because we just saw the two. And yeah. you can't, I mean, it's like that's your first. And that, and honestly, even though that is a crazy horse, it wasn't totally, I mean, it wasn't logical. But you know what I mean? It's Doug O'Neill. And it's like, you, you could have been like, uh, unbelievable. That's, yeah. this is a whole other realm of, of but they're like, no, that's the 21. And you're just yeah. like, unbelievable. Well, you guys now, now realize this. You're in a crowd. It's really hard to see. So don't think we're nuts by thinking it was Happy Jack. It is very hard to see. Everybody's just like this. I mean, it, you could see. I, I, You guys were like, I'm pretty sure that's Happy Jack that just won. And, I, and it was just like, no, it's just, that's, it's, it was kind of a white looking thing. But there was a tint of like gray on that. I said, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Rich Strike just won the Derby. It was like, oh my God, it, it is Rich Strike when they put him up on the screen on the Gallup app. You see the one next to the two, and you're like, oh, I, what? Like, how did that happen? Yeah, there, a couple of other people thought it was Happy Jack, which I would have been nuts, like you said, if he won too. Yeah. I mean, he, it would have, but I don't know what, what his odds ended up going off at Happy Jack. I think he was like 23 or something like that to one. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't like, he got more play than I thought he would. And so if he won, you think, well, that's crazy. But, you know, the pace meltdown, you know, you could, you could have at least maybe came up with a solution there. You know, he'd been facing, obviously, you know, the Santanita horses and pace meltdown and something crazy happened. Doug O'Neill obviously knows how to win the race. And you could, I guess you could kind of get there is my point. Maybe. But Rich Strike, I mean, let's, okay, let's, you want to just go, let's just start the race. Okay. That's let's just fun. watch the race together. Okay. All of us. Let's let's kind of go through this together. If you're sitting by somebody, hold their hand while we're doing yep. this. Here, take okay. this. Yeah. All go. right. 
Let's see here. Once again, we're ready for a start. They're off. So can you mute the? Yeah, there you go. So he's there from post twenty, and look at him immediately. Now this is what you got to do. You got to get over. So that was whoop. Sorry. So that that's step number one, right? So he does save ground, but again, you're not really worried about it. But the big thing is the pace was incredibly hot. So at that moment where they threw up the first fraction, you thought, okay, a closer has a great shot. But what have we been saying all year leading up to this thing? We've got two really good closers. We've got Zandon and we've got Modonigal. So for them to get this pace set up and not win is equally as incredible in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, no one saw these two horses going at it like this. And and then when you saw these fractions, you thought, oh, my gosh. And even whenever you realize, like, okay, Messier's not on the lead, Taba's not on the lead, they are right there, especially Messier. I mean, Messier's right there. Got to give props to Messier for even for even being in the lead at some point in this race. You know, Taba obviously couldn't even get to the lead. Um, this move right here with epicenter with uh joel rosario it was an unbelievable move yep. to get the horse in position turning for home oh Ep- listen pratt and rosario pratt being on zandon and rosario on epicenter they did not get rewarded for perfect rides the Joel, okay, Epicenter could have been up there in that pace, right? He probably should, you know, if you're thinking, okay, where do you want to be? What position do you want to be in? That's where you would want him. Joel saw that the pace was so fast. He waited. He swung out. Look at him right here. He's home. It's over. And then you're thinking, okay, but Zandon could beat him because the pace was hot. He got a good trip. And then look at this horse on the inside. I mean, these two jockeys had a hell of a ride, but Sonny Leon, or Leon, however you want to say it, did outright them in the end. Absolutely incredible. This ride for this horse was out of this world. Unbelievable. So look right here. Okay, so if we stop it, here's Zandon. Zandon got the, the trips of all trips. You know, Pratt, you could not have asked for a better situation. Now, obviously, he's got uh, Epicenter right here in front of him, and he's basically just going to let him go and then it's going to sort of follow suit. I mean, you can't ask for a better trip. And Dennis, I strongly disagree. I thought these were brilliant rides. Yeah, they were. There's no, like, how, go too soon. What do you mean they went too soon? Yeah, perfect. He's Absolutely perfect rides. Rosario had had him in a great spot. And they, listen, hindsight's 2020. They wanted Zandon to be not on the pace, but not dead last. He was in a perfect position. They saved all the ground. You can't, you just can't explain how this horse went and got him after this. This was that they did exactly what they needed to do. It was just a, a masterful ride by a guy who had to have a mount at Churchill Downs all day and had been riding at Belterra. I mean, it was he the, give credit to Sonny. I mean, this this trip and this ride was miraculous. Absolutely miraculous. And you think about mine that bird. He had Calvin Burrell at the time. Calvin Burrell was the king of Churchill Downs. So it's like, well, I could see that he gave a great ride. It's Calvin Burrell. Yeah. That didn't ride at Churchill Downs. This guy's riding like $5,000 claimers at Belterra. And he came in there and did that. He made one key move where he had the decision. 
Do I go outside or do I stay to the inside? If he swings him to the outside, which is the tendency with a closer a lot of times, let's swing him out, get him out of trouble, he probably runs up and gets third. But he kept him to the inside, and he got room, and that's what won the race. That split decision. Now, of course, the horse absolutely is – is you pat him on the back the most because he, he had that burst, and it was incredible. But, you know, if the jockey moves him to the outside, he might lose just enough ground because it's not like he won by, like, four or five. It just got close. If he, does, if he swings him outside, he probably loses the ground and or the momentum, and they get, like, third or fourth, and we're going, wow, he ran really well. And we're not really talking about it much, but when he's when he kept him inside and went up that rail, saved that ground, it was just enough to get by those two horses. It, I mean, you're 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 dead on. It's not, it, it's not like when it comes to the like you say, like he could have gotten, like you could have seen him get up there for second or third with a just a, got stopped once. I mean, but even when he made that move and he made a decision, he, he was going to go inside a uh, Messier, but it had to make that decision. Like every move he made was right. And he had to be to get there in time. And listen, I, if you want to see the definition of these two horses and Zandon and Epicenter in terms of what they are, watch this race because was, they, they ran great races and just, it, they couldn't get, they could not seal the deal. And, it was a little bit like, you know, Epicenter did such a great job, did such a great uh, uh, ride on with with Rosario, got the horse in position, held off a game Zandon, but then here came another. And that was the issue, right? Like, we knew that some of these horses were good. How good are they? Can he hold off multiple attempts? And he couldn't. And who could, how could you? I mean, the wrist strike was absolutely loaded late in this race. Yeah, it, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Um, it, it reminded me of when Epicenter put away uh, Papa Cap in the LeCompte and then kind of looked like, okay, I've got it. He, he put away the real challenger, and then Call Me Midnight came and got him. It, this was almost a carbon copy of that. Of course, a little bit different circumstances, a little bit different horses. It's the Kentucky Derby. It's LeCompte. I realize that. But as far as just the 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 thought process or the uh, how it unfolded of, bam, we, we took away – you know, the top choice we put that or the second choice, we put that horse away. That's the one we really needed to worry about. And the horse thinks he's got it. And then doesn't even probably didn't even see that horse coming up the inside. It's really incredible. Uh, just to kind of give you an idea with Sonny Leon and, and, and what he is as a writer. And again, I'm not saying he's a bad writer, good writer, whatever. I, I mean, I've played his horses several times at Belterra park. Okay. Let's think about this <laughs> Friday before the Kentucky Derby. He rode five horses at Belterra Park with no wins. <laughs> and, then, and then he had one mount, which was the win in the Kentucky Derby. He rode up at Belterra Park all week leading up to the Kentucky Derby and won one race. It's crazy. His last mount, uh, let's see, he, he did have, let's see, he rode in a maiden claimer, a claiming race, an allowance, and a, a, a small stakes there at Belterra and an allowance. And then his next mount after the allowance at Bel Belterra Park on May 6th was the Kentucky Derby, which he won at Churchill Downs. That is incredible. Like, this is USA Olympic Hockey 1980-like victory. That's how improbable. Mind that bird? Forget about it. This horse <laughs> isn't close 
this is the biggest upset you're ever going to see in the Kentucky Derby in our lifetimes. I'm very confident in saying that. Well, it's the second biggest upset, certainly, of all time. Definitely the biggest upset. I think, the, what was the 90, it's like 19-something, 1910 yeah. or something, but 90-something um, to one. And, again, that smaller fields back then, different circumstances to have the point system that we have today, the way it's established to get the best horses in the race – 20 horse fields. Remember, this horse broke from the 20 gate. Just all these things. It just, it's unfathomable to see that this would ever occur again. It's incredible. Listen, we talked about Barber Road. Uh, I did a lot. And and he ran, he ran okay. He ran six. Definitely better than I thought. But listen, if Barber Road would have won this Kentucky Derby, it would be 30 times less shocking than Rich Strike to be. Right. I mean, I can't say it any more clear than that. <laughs> and people are saying, and we haven't even said, he did it from the 20 post. Watch it. I mean, even right here, you you would assume, well, he's just, he's, you would never expect him to get to the lead, get to the front of this race. Like he's going to run in the middle of this pack for the rest of his horses. So he gets him right to the rail. He's got all this space, but uh, coming up here in a second, he's got Messier, and he almost makes a decision to go inside, but nope. Look at this. Boom. Yep. Cuts between the two horses. Even here, you think, well, he may not get there. Because there's not a lot of real estate left, folks. Yeah. And so, it's you watch this horse, and it's like, wow, you know, we're talking about, wow, the ride, ride, what a good ride. Look how fast he's moving compared to everybody else. Like, do that again and, and watch Mo Donegal, because a lot of people are like, well, you know, Mo Donegal, if it's a closure, is going to win in a 10. Okay, Mo Donegal had a little bit tougher trip. He was wider for sure. But this horse is moving two to his one. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just dominating. these. Even these closers are not moving as fast as this horse. Here's he's Mo Donegal. I believe this might be Barber Road. Yeah, they, Barbara Rhoda Modonagal got hung out wide. I mean, Look, they're yeah, moving. I mean, they've passed a few, but they don't have any kind of kick compared to this winner. I mean, this was just crazy. And, and like I said, he still think, well, he's going to run out of room. Nope. Whew. Crazy. Just nuts, dude. It's nuts. I mean. Crazy. Let's look at the uh, let's look at the payouts here because it's going down crazy. Let's look at that. So this rich strike was eighty to one, almost eighty-one to one. Epicenter uh, went off your favorite barely at four to one. Uh, Zandon at six to one. Look at these payouts though: hundred and sixty-three sixty for the win. A seventy-four dollar place horse. Mm-hmm. That two dollar exacta. $4,100. You know, we hit a huge try one year, and we thought that was crazy for $4,100. Yep. yep. And this this is an exactive for $2 that pays $4,100. Yeah. If you somehow got this horse in the pick five, it paid uh, a quarter million. Somehow, crazy. if you played all here, you got – I mean, and it wasn't exactly impossible to get to this race, Um especially when you had Jackie as a single, could have been Jackie's warrior as a single earlier in the, that sequence. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, it, it's improbable. These, these payouts are nuts. The uh, Oaks Derby double paid $973. Of course, that was with Secret Oath. Um, so maybe you could have played like a Secret Oath all or, you know, 
I don't know. I mean, I think the biggest thing here is there's a thousand different things you can you can you can come up with, but the bottom line is it's like this is not this is not not going to happen. You can't plan for this to happen again. Yeah, you can't say, well, next time I'm going to play it this way because look at the you know it's like well, your strike isn't going to win every year. And by the way, no one finished this race that was in the top. Gosh, I think like top nine. I think they none of them finished in the top nine, top eight, something like yeah. that. So this pace was just the absolute. Let's talk a little bit about that pace. The pace meltdown that happened here. Fastest opening quarter in Kentucky Derby history. Sub 22. I mean, that you unbelievable how fast they were in. We all knew that the first fraction could be pretty fast. Never. And by the way, the horse that we all thought, well, it. Classic Causeway couldn't get to the lead. He never got to the lead. Couldn't do it. Wasn't fast enough. Never a factor in this race whatsoever. The two, <laughs> the Japanese horses did it. And just completely, completely just turned this race upside down. And what do you take from, say, our top picks, Messier, well, Taba and Messier, how badly was this a factor of pace? Just too close. Just no way they could sustain that. Clearly, no one did, or they weren't very good. Combination of the two. Like, how did you kind of? Did you just toss the race? With Messier, I totally toss it. He was too close, and he made a move into the pace too, which was weird. And what I'm saying, what I mean is that is he didn't like stock, but he's too close. And then he waits. And then they, those other horses come naturally coming back. No, they moved him. They split him in between horses. I mean, he led at the top of the stretch, but my goodness, you know, he, he had to pay a, a price to get it. So messy. I, I throw it out. Taba, he was too close, but I don't know. He was pretty bad. He had a, he should have ran better than that. Maybe not, you know, winning, but, he should have been able to make a move it, to me. He just did run very well. I think he was up against it, you know, and that inexperience ended up biting him. I, you know, they, they put him up there in a pretty good position down the backside. I thought he was in a decent spot. I, I guess the kickback probably hurt him a little bit, but it was, it wasn't fun to watch. <laughs> I, I quit watching him after about six furlongs. Yeah. You kind of had an idea. Um, it wasn't going to be his day, right? Uh, you know, the, here's a co- the couple things that I thought stood out. One, obviously, yes. You watch that early part of that race. Um, you know, Taba was right there, I think, in fifth. It's the closest uh, fifth position. Um, and uh, and Messier was fourth. You know, they were right there early in that race. So, and that, and that's and that was the kind of the Dan, if you do, Dan, if you don't, the, the whole thing we've been preaching all along, these horses have to break. You know, what was our biggest fear with Taba? He needs to break, right? Messier needs to break. He needs to get that position. Well, they did. They broke great. There's zero excuses for that first run. That was what we were all worried about with Taba, especially. And so they get position, but in what, what did they get for getting position? Well, they had to run a sub-22, the fastest opening quarter in the history. Well, almost. So, I mean, they weren't on that, but they are close. And then they had to run a sub-46. So they paid the price in order to get position. Now, I agree with you. 
I'd proud be proud of Messier, even though he where he finished, but he he did give it a run. He just got absolutely tired. You know, it kind of felt like Taba ran in place almost the whole race. He didn't really run poorly. He just kind of just ran his thing. He didn't have that kick. Um, he was up against it from the start because not only that, but then Taba got Mike. And I don't necessarily fault Mike for it, but then he puts him right on the rail in inside horses. He's, I guess, to save ground. I don't, not really sure. So now the horse is going super fast in the Kentucky Derby, taking dirt. And he's kind of boxed in. Now, again, he kind of was able to get him out. But there was a lot of maybe the, the inexperienced part, ultimately, plus the speed, ultimately paid the price uh, for Taba. So, that, you know, those are my thoughts on those two horses. I, To me, when it comes to Epicenter and Zandon, I think both those horses should have won if they were good enough. They weren't. Um, I, I think Epicenter is a great horse. I think he's the best horse right now of the crop, the three-year-olds. But... I guess Rich Strike is number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Uh, it's 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 hilarious to think, and you know, it's funny. The UAE Derby horses. I, I said it for weeks. I said if they're not for me, you guys can have them. Uh, you know, I get why you're going to want to try to, but they're they're never going to be for me. But usually, they go crazy. But it's it's just like they don't run how they usually run on the form. Like, okay, here's a speed horse, but they they're like eighth. You know, out the backstretch or. Here's Thunder Show with a, a shot, and he acts like an idiot. Or Mendelssohn does a break, and he gets shuffled back. It was the exact opposite. They went crazy this time, but it was just flying out there as fast as we could, right? I mean, so they still played a factor in the race of, of messing it up because they just flew out there like like maniacs. I think Summer Tomorrow didn't, didn't surprise anybody. But Crown Pride? Mm-hmm. Like they're well, pressing each other. That was crazy to me. Well, that's what's so hard about this. It's like something to, and again, I'm not, I don't put any, like, it is what it is, but you know, bad luck, bad circumstances, whatever. But, you know, if you're Mike Smith and John Velasquez, who obviously know a little thing or two about riding, um, and you're on speed horses and you know your job is, your main job is to get out of the gate of the Kentucky Derby and get position you're a victim of whatever they're going up front. Right. Yeah. You, cause you have to, I mean, cause if you're not, I guess if Mike says, Whoa, whoa, they're going, I can tell immediately they're going way too fast. I'm going to tuck tape in 15th for this. You know, like you'd be like, what the hell are you doing, man? Got to get to the lead. You got to get close. You know, you got to get positioned. So it was just one of those things that it was almost damned from the start for these horses that, because the, the way this race set up, if you're, if, cause you don't, no matter how good a jockey you are, you know you have to get position early in that race. And that's why I applaud uh, Rosario and Pratt, frankly. But Rosario, I thought, was just because, you know, Epicenter is a horse that typically is pretty close to the lead. And for him to say, no, no, I'm going to back this off. You know, he gets that horse back. And I think he was like in eighth place. Yeah, eighth yeah. Uh, through the half. And you're like, so think about that. The half, the fastest is like sub 46 and Epicenter's an eight. That's perfect. Yep. And then he gets it in a position and then he makes his move. I thought it was perfect. Just couldn't finish the job. Yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, like I said, Rosario and, and Pratt gave their horses great rides and it, they didn't get the reward because Sonny Lee, Leon came up and said, no, I think I'll take this one. And listen, I think it's Patricia. I couldn't, I, I don't remember the comments are going away. Patricia's given us all the stats on Sonny Leon and you, you took what I said wrong. 
I know about him. I handicap every track, every race, every day. You don't have to tell me about him. I handicap Belterra. I handicap Mahoney Valley. It's still freaking crazy that he came up here and won the Kentucky Derby. I don't care that he hits 18% of Belterra. It's crazy <laughs> that he came to Churchill Downs, had one mount, and outrode every top jockey in this country after riding at Belterra on Friday. That's insane. I don't care that he's winning at 18%. It's still a freaking insane. And that's not a knock on him. I like him at Belterra. This was crazy. So you do know who he is. You I do, believe it or okay. not. I, just, I have I heard big... of him. What did I tell you? Know, you? I looked at you and I said, well, a jockey from Belterra just won. And that's what's so nuts about this is you got to remember, like, they weren't in. By the way, they have they have T-shirts that they sell every year for the Derby. You know, you get it has, has a logo here on the back. It's got the field of twenty, and it, you know it's a I, you know I, we get one every time we go. The winner's not on it, guys. The winner is not on the Derby shirt because he wasn't in the race until Friday morning. Yeah, and so it's like that's what's so crazy. And and I, we we're sitting there watching these. You know, that's part of the cool thing about going to the Derby, especially if you're standing really close like we are like watching the walkover, right? Such a iconic moment for, you know, most people are like, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. And, I, and it's so funny. <clears throat> I literally, and it, it, maybe I should have known, maybe I should have went and put money on it at that point, I guess. But I literally thought in my mind when I saw Rich Strike and <clears throat> the connections, I thought, you know, this is a cool story. Like, I'm sure they're enjoying this because these are guys that didn't know if they'd get in. Probably unlikely they would, but still got to the still got to Churchill. They were all there. They were waiting, you know, hoping to yeah. get in. All the connections. And they got in, and it's like now they get to walk over. And it's this amazing experience to walk a horse over to the Kentucky Derby. And I and I literally thought, wow, that's a, you know, I'm sure they're enjoying this. This has got to be cool. You know, they didn't know they were gonna be, be in the race, and now they are. And then he won. This is awesome comment, by the way, talking about them and the connections. Uh, big sports guy. Big guy sports collector was at Belterra. <laughs> and that's great. That's awesome. See, that is. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, as far as you said, they all had red hats on, right? And so I'd seen those red hats around all day. And I was like, I don't know who that is. Like, I, I'm not sure who that is. And then I saw them come in. I was like, oh, they're a rich strike. Like, they had a lot of people there. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I thought, well, good for them, man. They, they, they were all over that place where we were at. I don't know if their box was kind of close to where we were or not, but saw those red hats everywhere and i thought that's really cool there they all are on the track and they're having fun good for them you know well i think they they uh that was not the end of their fun <laughs> they ended up walking a little further more inside there and uh to yeah. the winter circle after the it just just nuts. i guess i have to say this i need i needed i need the platform here because i, I my tweet caught a lot of heat and it's been oh, spread boy. like wildfire yeah. all over twitter i think it even made uh, the Jason Beam, whatever show. You're famous. Like the hate, the hate is real. I tweeted out after the race, right after, like the horses weren't even back yet. Um, like lots of good stories. I can't remember how it was worded. Lots of good stories in the Kentucky Derby. This isn't one of them. And I took a it was a picture of the tote board, right? $163 winner or whatever. It blew up and it took, it, it took a life of its own and it got taken out of, epic proportions what what i meant and i'll agree i'll agree 
it was ill-timed and maybe not my greatest moment. But it was not meant to say this is a terrible story. It was we were sitting there talking, you, me, Patrick, uh, Samich, we're all sitting there. Well, we what was what did we say? Well, the pregnancy is going to suck now because now you don't have Epicenter, you don't have Zandon. No one really believes this is going to be a legit triple crown. Sure, it's a fun story for all the casual fans, but for us betters, for the people that follow the game day in and day out, it's like, well, this is we know how this story is going to go, and it's just kind of like whatever. And so that's what we meant, like, or that's what I meant. I didn't mean it like this is a shitty story, like this. I can't, you know, I hate these connections. We, of course, it's a good story. Like, I'm not rooting against it. I just meant this was not the story that you would hope for in terms of a triple, you know, that rise. Because here's the deal, guys. To all the people say, oh, this is great for horse racing. This is what they needed, blah, blah, blah. How many of those people are betting the Derby? Right. How many people? How much money do you think they bet? To the bettors? To the people that are carrying the game? To the pools? To the people that are making this game go? They got burned. And it was hard. And you want to see that real horse. You want to see that superstar. And we didn't see it. And so, yeah, I mean, my, my uh, emotions were high at that point. We just finished the Derby. But I just, I want to make sure people realize, like, it wasn't like, oh, I hate Rich Strike and I hate this story and I, I don't want him to, you know, like, this sucks. Dude, we're fans first and foremost. It's unbelievable. That's all I meant. Yeah, I think people are just very sensitive and they're on, on there just trying to find anything to be mad at. I think that's number one. Number two, it was a poorly timed tweet. But number three... It wasn't a picture of the horse and the trainer and the owner and the jockey. It was a picture of the tote board. Right? Like me. Yeah. We all, I mean, it was like, yeah, this isn't good that nobody hit this. I mean, <laughs> what are you going to, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't was, like I'd sent a picture of like, uh, of, you know, the horse and the trainer, like this story sucks. Yeah, no, of course not. Like it was, uh, it was like, look at the, the payouts, look at the, you know, so yeah, of course we're going to root for the underdog. Of course it's a cool story. It's fun to talk to, you know, from yeah. us. I mean, I'm, we got our phones blew up. Hey, did you have that horse? You know, that's crazy. I, all I heard from all kinds of people. So it's, I get like, I, I want to put this up. Cringe take and backtrack. It's so funny how everybody knows you that doesn't know you. <laughs> Isn't that funny how social media is like that? Yeah, everybody they know exactly you. what you meant. Yep. It knows exactly what you meant. And the person that was sitting right there with you, and I told you it's a dumb tweet, by the way. It was. Yeah. But I told you, I said, well, well, I didn't. I told you it's a dumb tweet, but I'm sitting right there with you. I knew exactly why you did it. We were all talking. I was like, God, this makes the Preakness just a mess. Like this is, you know, if you you the 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 big story of the Preakness is like, okay, now you know, if Epicenter would have won, it's like, wow, we could we could have a triple crown horse and this and that, and now it's just like, oh my gosh, how are we gonna like? You could and, and literally they just crossed the finish line too, like five ten minutes ago, and it's like we're trying to wrap our hand head around everything. I think the bottom line is, is it was like in the context of what the, our circle was talking about, it made sense, but it's hard to get the outside perspective. Like we're not watching the television. We're not. Yeah. Know, we don't know what the narrative is being pushed on television. We're there. It's live. We're around people that lost money or won money one way or the other. And it just was just like, 
guys, he didn't mean anything by it. <laughs> oh, dude, the, this is crazy. People are so sensitive. It's nuts. It's insane. And yeah, I mean, like I say, I we were right there in, in the heat of it, surrounded by 150,000 people. It was a little intense. I completely acknowledge the fact that, yeah, it's probably not the best timed tweet of my life. I, I've had better. <laughs> I've had better moments. But anybody that knows me, which apparently is everybody, any on to anybody on Twitter and, you know, Karuna and all these people like uh, I apparently meant that, you know, Rich Strike needs to like, you know, go to hell and And this is terrible for the game. You commented on it. It's like, guys, this is what you're saying is not you did it like 20 minutes after you tweeted. It's like because you're you saw it it was like, oh, God, this is bad. And you're on there like, of course, it's a great story. That's not what I like. I'm talking it anyway. Doesn't. Anyways, all right. Well, uh, I'm guessing I think the Magic Mike will be back later today. Bleakers Off, of course, will be back uh, later this week to maybe once we've digested this um, a little bit more. We'll talk a little bit more about Candlesworth's win the second leg. You know, he'll he'll be one of the – I don't know the odds off the top of my head, but he, he'll probably be one of the fewer horses in history, at least in recent history, where you is not going to go off the favorite who won the Kentucky Derby, right? Um, I'll have another comes to mind. He, you know, Bodie Meister went off the favorite course country house didn't end up and didn't, did not end up running. Um, Was, was Medina spirit the favorite last year? Oh gosh. Who was it? Was it, I think midnight bourbon may have been the favorite. Let me look at this. I don't think Medina spirit went off his favorite. Maybe he did. All right. I got anyways. Keep talking. So, yeah, lots to talk about. Uh, of course, as we head into, you know, we just have two weeks till the Preakness, less than two weeks now. So, let us know your thoughts, comments. So it was Medina Whoa. Spirit. Medina Spirit was. was the favorite. Yeah. Uh, oh, one thing I want to throw out: Giacomo and mind that bird because they were talking about what will Rich Strike's odds in the Preakness be, right? Okay. It's a very valid question. Who knows, right? Giacomo and Mind That Bird, the two big upside or uh, upset winners of the Derby in recent times, right? Were both six to one in the Preakness. So that let that kind of be your guide of okay, what do we expect? Probably six to one range, I would say, on Rich Strike. That seems fair. And let's how funny is it too that the same the last time we had this, which was not even like we talked about, not even to this magnitude, but when Mind That Bird won was the same year you had a Philly. Rachel Alexander try the Preakness and, of course, won the Preakness. And now this year, you've got this massive horse, this massive price horse that's going to be in the Preakness. And now it looks like we might see Secret Oath, winner of the Kentucky Oaks. Rachel won the Oaks that year by, like, 20. Um, So maybe it's like a, you know, anytime you have, like, a crazy huge price, you run a Philly in the Preakness and they win. So, Yep. Yep. I mean... It's going to be interesting. She's going to take a lot of money, the, the Philly. She looked pretty impressive. It is Secret Oath and Luis Saez. They have the lead at the eighth pole. Echo Zulu not going with her. Nest is making her run. Desert Dawn is on the outside. But as they come to the wire, it is Secret Oath for the coach, D-Wade Lucas. She wins the Kentucky Oath. Uh, you know, I wish we were going to be at the Preakness because I, I, we were in the paddock, and I'm like, that's a different horse than we saw – at uh, at Oakland, yeah. you could tell she was right. So if she looks like that again, she'll be tough to beat. 
That's a good point. We haven't talked about the Oaks, but that so we watched this horse in the in the Arkansas Derby and we looked at her and we both were like, ah, doesn't look like much. And when she walked by, we were in different locations. And when she walked by to the for the um Kentucky Oaks, you were in the paddock. I was on the rail. We hadn't talked to each other. We both got back together. And the first things we said to each other was, wow, she looks completely different. She looks freaking fantastic today. She she looked like if you saw her in the paddock, you would assume um it was it was she was yeah. like a boy. Like she was a you know, she was running in against in like so it makes sense. I mean, she's a real, real long, rangy. Philly got a big uh, high din on her. So if they run her to the Preakness, I think she is uh, extremely, extremely live. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Hey, look at that. Thanks for the uh, donation there. And uh, Sunday Silence versus Easy Go are locked up and Mind That Bird popped up. Cheers. There you go. So there you go. Mind That Bird. Um, do you think that they're pissed? Do you think the Mind That Bird connections are thinking, mother... I mean, come on. We had we had this locked up as like the craziest horse of all time to win this race, and now this horse comes along, does it at almost double the odds, and kind of does it in a very similar fashion, coming you know weaving, coming through, and doing all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm actually going to do a video on that as soon as we're done here. I'm gonna I'm gonna tape one and uh, magical edit it, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna do mind that bird versus rich strike, and I don't know if y'all. Uh, I've really dove into this or not, but I did this morning and uh, I don't think it's close. I won't spoil one way or the other, (laughs) which way I'm going to lean on that one. But uh, wow. I can't even wait to listen to this. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, We wanted to jump on here for Bleakers Off. Usually, obviously, we don't do these early in the week, but we, you know, once Saturday happened, uh, we were just like, we need a mental break from this after <laughs> after that day. So we're like, we'll just we'll go come back live on Monday after we have a little time to to digest it. So there you go. We'll be back later this week. Of course, listen to the Magic Mike. They'll have their thoughts later today. I think uh, due to bet sports, you guys will be on uh, yep. this evening at 6 p.m. Central Time. So make sure you check that out. Alterman, it's been, you know what? It's been great. It's been great catching up with you. I haven't seen you in a long time. But you know what? I need a break from you. So I will see you on Thursday. I'm Jared Welch. He's Aaron Offerman. We'll see you later this week. RacingDudes.com for all of your needs. RacingDudes.com for all of your leads. RacingDudes.com for all of your bets. RacingDudes.com as good as it gets. RacingDudes.com for all of your needs. RacingDudes.com for all of your leads. RacingDudes.com for all of your bets. RacingDudes.com as good as it gets. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels, never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes first. 